Hey, everybody, it's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Madib's Getting to Know Podcast. Today, we are joined by the first of our presidents from our various business units to join us on the Getting to Know Podcast. We've got Kingsley Shannon with us, president of our packaging and specialty papers business, right, Kingsley? That's right. Yeah, good to be here. Great to have you. So you're the first president to join. We've had a few of Julie's direct reports and Julie herself. So we're excited to hear about what it is that you do as a president in this newly formed organization. And I think a great place to start would be tell the crowd here, tell our listening audience a little bit about what it means to run packaging and specialty papers. Where do you guys play? What are your, your opportunities? What are your challenges? Yeah, I'm happy to. So packaging and specialty papers is made up of four separate business segments. Just under half of it is what we call commercial print and publishing. And that really is kind of the heritage category. It's, it's fine paper that's used in a lot of marketing materials, wedding invitations. Imagine, you know, fancy papers that are, you know, highly printed, highly decorated. Very, very profitable for us and, and as a total company. About 25% of the business is made up of packaging and sustainable solutions. And so imagine high ticket items that come in small packages. So things like Tiffany's jewelry would use our bags and um, our box wraps. Alcohol and spirits. We've got 85% market share of wine label in North America. So chances are if you have a buy a bottle of wine at the store with an uncoated label, it's us. We also have like the Maker's Mark label. Uh, we work with electronics and beauty packaging. So that's about 25%. The other 25% is our consumer products category, which is sold in Amazon, Target, Walmart, Office Depot, Office Superstores. And we own the Astrobrights brand, which is brightly colored paper and cardstock. So teachers and crafters and businesses would use that. The Southworth brand is resume paper and business papers. And then we also are exploring into new spaces like journals and planners. And then the other 25% is digital transfer papers. And those are papers that basically help to put, in the simplest way, ink into synthetic fabrics. So if you go and buy a, a blouse or a sportswear item and it has a print or pattern embedded in it that's color fast and stays bright, that's the technology that, that happens from that side, along with heat transfer, which is you know if you iron on a, a t-shirt pattern that you print off from your color printer at home, that transfer paper would be something that we'd make as well. So pretty diverse group, but all of them have to do with being kind of leaders in their space, higher end, more more premium price points, and all of them have some kind of a application of print or ink in some capacity. So that all seems to flow real naturally off your tongue. How long have you been in this space? So I have been with Nina for nine and a half years. Uh, and worked in various parts of the business at that time. So I came over in marketing on the B2B side of the group, uh, spent a few years on the B2C group uh, running that organization, and most recently, about a year ago, took over the digital transfer side. So it's actually not in my background to be in paper or packaging, but I've always been marketed premium brands and worked with premium brands, and they're all, they're all that in their space. So that translates really, really well. And we work with very high-end kind of end users like Starbucks and Amazon and Maker's Mark. And that's really kind of core to who I am and, and what I've worked with. I've always worked with really big, big brands, big customers on the B2C side or the B2B side. So that's kind of within my wheelhouse. 
So was there a concerted effort as a young lady to get into some kind of marketing or sales or general management type of role with high-end brands? So it's interesting. Growing up, my father was in the hotel industry and he always worked for very premium hotels, like five-star properties. We moved around quite a bit as a kid, but I kind of got a taste for what it's like to think about premium brands in that way. He was in sales and marketing for premium hotels. So I kind of grew up in more of a premium space with his work. And so I I actually majored in that in college, thinking I was going to go into hotel restaurant administration. But towards the end of my college experience, I had a sales and marketing teacher. And in fact, he wouldn't let me in his class because it was completely full. But I heard Mark Moon's class is like the best class to take. And so I actually showed up in his classroom for three weeks straight, not being enrolled, telling him that I was going to stay in his class anyway, because I wanted to be in it so badly. It ended up being, he ended up letting me in his class because I just wore him down and I I had strong perseverance, which I think I have today. It's probably one of the characteristics I'm known for today. But that class was pivotal for me. And when he was talking about sales and when he was talking about marketing and what that really meant it just clicked for me. Like something went off to where I was so passionate. I could not get enough knowledge of what he was teaching in that class. And I knew that that was the direction that I needed to go. Not necessarily on the hotel side, because I realized I didn't want to work nights and weekends all the time and holidays, which you have to do in the hospitality industry. But I knew sales and marketing and then that kind of that premium upbringing and the exposure on the hotel side of things, it just kind of all clicked and and it's kind of carried me through every career stop along the way is is those commonalities. How different has it been for you to market or build brands from a B2C standpoint versus B2B? Are there a lot of similarities there or is it very different? Yeah. So I think, I think a couple of things on the B2C side, and this really holds true for my prior companies, especially I've worked for Newell Brands and Maytag Corporation. You know, when you're trying to drive demand with consumers, typical consumers, you're, you're heavy, heavy into big advertising budgets. You know, like I was, I've made television commercials over the years. We've, I've done print advertising, social media. Um, I've got a lot of experience in kind of traditional, you know, fast moving consumer goods marketing. So it requires a pretty big marketing investment. Now, what I think is, is interesting though, is that when you're working with these big customers where you're selling your B2C products, you really have to then laser in on the customer side. So you have big, broad marketing budgets where you're trying to hit all the consumers, and then you're partnering with your customers in a very individual way of like what works for Walmart, what works for Target, what works for back in the day Home Depot when I was on the appliance side. So when you take that and you then apply it to this business, which is more B2B than it is B2C, that customer-centric approach is very similar. So how you go to market with an Amazon or Walmart and how you treat them very, from a customer intimacy standpoint is as important with your B2B customers. And in fact, when you're working on B2B and you're thinking about end users, so like Starbucks or Amazon, they very much think like a B2C customer does. And so you have to engage with them in, more, in a much more sophisticated way because they think almost like a consumer branded customer does. So I think there's very similar corollaries there. Now, you don't probably need quite as much marketing dollars. You don't need to have, 
you know, big, big awareness dollars to get in front of a huge consumer population or target. You can be real narrow in terms of your laser-like focus on the B2B side. You can, you can hit a graphic designer audience, which is one of the audiences that we try to hit without having to spend, you know, millions and millions of dollars in television advertising. So I think the customer side on both is very similar and a very similar approach. I think the marketing investment required because you're so laser-like and surgical of who your business customer is, is very different. With a business currently that straddles both, do you find yourself more drawn to one versus the other? No, you know what? It's interesting. Um, when I left Newell Brands, I was kind of ready for something different. Like I needed to, I feel like I had done the B2C model with just a lot of different products, you know, like cook, whether it was cookware or whether it was writing, you know, utensils like Sharpie brand or appliances. It was like same product, different model, just kind of, you know, wash repeat, if you will. Yeah. So I was looking for something different when I joined Nina. I wanted to, I definitely wanted something that was, you know, higher end, which we definitely are across all of our spaces. That market leader category captain mindset is something that I really love. And so Nina is that and, and now Madiv, but the brand, Nina is still the brand, you know, and where we are today. Yep. But I, I wanted the, I wanted the challenge to do that differently. And so what I love is, you know, I've been able to find that B2B certainly has some different nuances, but I've been able to really apply a lot of the B2C sensibilities and practices in a B2B way. And so it's been a really good mix for me. And then I still got my toe on the consumer product side, right? I mean, that's about 25% of our business. And so I can still scratch that edge that way. That's good. So nine and a half years, that's a long time. And we're going through obviously a lot of change right now, hopefully insulating your business from a lot of that. Yeah. But why have you stayed all this time? Well, number one, first and foremost, when I came here and this whole truth holds true today, I interviewed heavy, heavy, heavy for culture and people. And that is what I absolutely love the most. I work with the best people. I mean, I, I'd like to say I have a team of rock stars and, and the company has a team of rock stars. So, you know, as you work throughout your career, you know, I'm about 30 years in, it's a, the people matter, the, the leadership matters. It matters more than anything, quite honestly. And then there's the, do you have a strong business strategy? Can I see that strategy really being successful long-term? Yes. I mean, I've been in different companies where we had that, and then all of a sudden it became a very short-term strategy. I want nothing to do with that. That's not a winning value proposition long-term. So we have that. And then I really feel like it's an exciting time. You know, I mean, there's there's new growth categories we're going after. We're continually, you know, um, adjusting and adapting. There's a lot of business challenges that I... You know, I, I think that that brings a lot of fun. I, I know it sounds funny, but, you know, if you're just sitting kind of status quo with the day to day making the donuts, I like a challenge. So for me, I feel like there's a lot of growth potential, um, not only within Total Matter, but within this business segment. And so that energizes me. But I think it's people first and foremost, but I, the opportunity of where we can continue to grow and what we can do as a company is really exciting and really appealing to me. Totally agree with you in there. Switching gears a little bit, you mentioned early days, kind of following your dad along as he did his thing. Where were all those stops along the way? Oh, gosh. So I think I've moved over 15 times because that's how my dad would transition or move up, if you will. He was in an independent hotel track, if you will. So not like a Marriott, not like an Intercontinental. He always worked for very high-end, more boutique kind of independent properties. So I was born in the Midwest. I was born in Chicago, only lived there for about five years. 
Then I went to Texas and I was in Austin and Houston both. Then we had a quick little stint in New Jersey, which coming in as a Texan with a full out Southern accent was a little challenging, if you can imagine. Um, It was during the Bon Jovi Jersey days and they didn't take too um, friendly of a liking to this little girl from the South, but I, you know, made my way. Thankfully that was only about nine months. And then we went back to the Midwest to St. Louis. My family moved back to Texas while I was in high school. So then I was at a boarding, that same school I was at in St. Louis, but stayed on as a boarding student and then made my way to Tennessee, University of Tennessee, go Vols in college. And then got recruited out of there to Maytag Corporation where I spent about little over nine years and then moved to Newell where I started with the Calflon brand and then moved down to Atlanta when they made a huge campus down here uh, in Sandy Springs. And then here I am. So I've moved around a lot. So I change is something that that's all I've ever known, which is kind of who I am. So if I do my math correctly, then you're coming up on what, 16, 17 years in the greater Atlanta area? Yeah. So I think just about 15 ish is where I'm at. So yeah, pretty close. Is that for someone who's moved around as much as you have? Are you feeling a little restless about that? It's such a strange feeling. I think about it um, a lot, actually. But you know what I love about it is I've got two children. And my son was born in Ohio, but we moved here when he was four. My daughter was born in Ohio. We moved here when she was one. So for me, what I love is my kids. Like, I never had that. Like, growing up in the same house having the same friends from elementary school all the way through high school. It's, it's really nice. You know, like my kids have got these relationships and friends, like this is home to them. Like I never really had a place where you would say, Hey Kingsley, what would you think is home? There's really, there's not really a place that I live. The place I actually probably consider most home was Fort Myers, Florida. Cause my grandmother lived there from the time I was born. That's probably the only constant for me. I used to go visit her two or three times a year but that's really the only constant. Like I never had a house that I lived in and grew up in my whole life. So I kind of like it. I do feel like I need to like travel and visit family and get out and things like that. So, but I, I like the I like the continuity. Sure. Tell us a little bit more about Jack and Scarlett. Yeah. So my son, Jack is a sophomore in college at Samford university in Birmingham. He is just, he's six, five and he's a huge athlete. He played baseball all growing up and basketball. We're a huge sports family. And it's just been really fun to just see him shine. Like he is just in the right school and the right element and just just thriving. I miss him to pieces, but, you know, he's doing exactly what he should be doing. And he's what about, is it three and a half, four hours away from, from home? Yeah, he's about three hours. So, yeah, and in fact, I'm, I'm seeing him this weekend, which is going to be great. It's parents weekend and I'm excited to see him. And then Scarlett is a, a freshman in high school. And um, so that's real fun. We've got teenage years going on right now. And, you know, she's, I have to say both kids, her and my son are really, really great kids. She's got a little more fire in her, which, which is all good. And, and, uh, and we're, we're navigating just her and I being home together with my son gone. So I try to give her her space and, and let her, you know, grow up as a teenage girl. She is also a huge, huge athlete. She's a big lacrosse player. And so she actually travels to the Northeast year round for her team. It's like one of the top 30 teams in the country, which is pretty fun to be a part of and watch her shine. So they're um, great kids and and, uh, we have a lot of fun together. That's very good. What do you guys do for fun outside of traveling around to baseball or lacrosse games or tournaments like that? Yeah. I mean, that really takes up a lot of our life, but we love to go to the beach. If I could have a second second place that I was all the time, it would be somewhere on the water, whether it's lake or beach. So 
we, we do, we try to do a lot of little mini trips. So it might be a long weekend down to 30A or fly down to Fort Myers, but that's one of our favorite things. We love to be outdoors. You know, that's one thing I love about Atlanta is it's got great weather, you know, just about most of the year. And so we spend a lot of time outside together too. If you had to choose lake or beach, where would you go? It's funny. I was just talking to some friends about this the other day. I'm a beach girl. I definitely, I'm a beach girl. I've loved it my whole life. And just listening to the sound of the water, it's like, just relaxes me. So some, some point, someday I will end up on the beach. And would it be a Florida beach based on what you said? You, you mentioned Fort Myers and 30A. Yeah, I think so. I think I like that. Yeah. I like the Fort Myers, um, Naples area just because it's so familiar to me. I've grown up there, you know, my whole life. 30A is, would not be bad. The beaches there are great. It gets a little cold though in the winter time. So I think if I'm going to go beach, yeah, if I'm going to go beach. I'm going to go beach. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can't disagree with you on that. Do the kids like the beach as much as you do? You're dragging them along or are they dragging you or you're No, they do. They're they're definitely beach they're definitely beach bums like me. That's kind of if we have a choice to to vacation, that's usually the first on our list. Um is, is to go to the beach. So yeah. That's great. We love it together. So in the early days of Madiv, what would you say you see as the best part of your job today? You know, for me, I talked about it, why, why I came to Nina, and it, it's the people, and it's just the opportunity to collaborate. It's the, I, I love learning new things from new people. I think there's a lot of um, different industries that I think we, you know, can tap into to, to expand and grow a lot of capabilities in our asset base across the organization. We're looking at a couple of things ourselves um, on the, the PNSP side to see if, if they make sense for our channels, if they make sense for insourcing some of our products that we do with outside suppliers. So I'm just so excited about, you know, getting to know the folks on the team. I think there's some great, great talent uh, with the, the newer folks that we I haven't worked with that didn't come from Nina. And, and I'm really excited just to see what we can do together as a, as a new organization. To what extent is your team feeling you know, what would, what would be fairly normal to feel just kind of overwhelmed by all the change? Are you, are you happy with where that is? Are you cautiously optimistic? Are you scared as hell? <laughs> you know, I think for, for my group in particular, we're probably the most intact or it's kind of the same way that we were before the integration versus after. I know the functional groups probably have changed a lot in a lot of the business segments, certainly. So I think for us, it's probably more excitement and, and like, what can we do versus being overwhelmed um, of, of the true integration side of things. So I, for us, it's more, it's probably most optimism. You know, I think for probably other groups, it might be varying degrees of uh, different emotions, but for us, it's, it's optimism. If you went back to your early Maytag days, Kingsley, and could share some advice with the younger version of you just kind of setting out in your career, what would that be? You know, I think, um, I think what I've learned is if you do hard work, everything will take care of itself. And if you're good to the people around you, you know, I think as you're coming into your career, you're trying to figure out like, what, what do I care about? Do I care about titles? Do I care about jobs? Do I care about politics? Do I care about all that stuff? You know, because you walk, you're, into an organization and you're trying to figure out like what matters the most. And what I would tell my younger self is your relationships and your work ethic. At the end of the day, if you have aspirations to move up or down or sideways, 
everything else kind of takes care of itself. It's how you treat people and it's how you, it's working hard. So I would just probably try to remind myself of that, that those are really the two things that matter most. Yeah, that's great. That's great. What would you say you're most proud of in your time with now Madiv, but running part of the Nina Legacy business? I'm really most proud of the team and just the fact that they have rallied behind working through all of the challenges that have kind of come our way since COVID over the last two years, whether they're the business unit teams in sales and marketing and R&D of just trying to make sure that we're selling to our customers in a very capacity constrained environment, or it's planning and customer service and operations trying to work through all of the challenges that we've had with raw material shortages, capacity constraints, labor challenges, no business has been exempt from, from working through these things, whether it's B2B, B2C, or the DTP team. So I'm just so proud of the team and, and really just then the ultimate performance that they've been able to deliver despite all of these challenges for us. So from the leadership all the way down, the way the folks have rallied and really the performance that we've been able to deliver is just really impressive and, and super proud of the, of the folks for that. You really have done a remarkable job of rallying the team when you got a lot of macros kind of punching you in the face on a regular basis. I feel like you've cultivated this kind of little engine that could mentality within your, your little um, nook of the organization. What goes into making that happen every day? Yeah, you know, I just think everyone has been really energized going through this new time to really just continue to deliver. And, you know, I think historically in some of the businesses, especially on the paper side, you know, there was this belief that, hey, we're a declining market. We all have to offset our decline. And this is really a different time. You know, we're in a capacity constrained environment. And so paper is king right now. So I think that brings a lot of energy to the team. Uh, I think also just organizing around really clear objectives of, you know, safety first and, and number one, making sure that we offset and cover our bottom line challenges with inflation and, and cost increases, and then also making sure we're focused on growth. And that is in packaging, that's in disublimation, that's in growing consumer share of desk in planners and journals and all of that. And, you know, I think just aligning with those three clear objectives and getting the organization rallied behind that, I think is really what's enabled us to, to deliver. And it's not without challenges. You know, we've got some organizations like our disciplination friends in, in Airbake, and they've had a lot of challenges with energy and, you know, market dynamics. But despite all of that, everyone really, I think, wants to win. And I think they've been able to really do so um, for the most part over the last couple of years. So I'm just really, really proud of how the teams have rallied around our challenges and, and still have continued to be able to deliver. They have. They have. You've done a great job creating that energy. And it, it is a good crew. I, I completely agree with that. If there was something you could do to wave a magic wand over the business today, what, what would you use that on? Hmm. Well, if I honestly, I feel like the number one thing that and it's probably not internal, it's external. If I could wave a magic wand, wand over the world, it would be getting some relief with some of these supply chain challenges we've had, whether it's with raw materials or, you know, um, inflation or all of that. Cause I know that that has taken a toll on the group. It, it's, it's been a lot. So I think from an external factor standpoint, I would love to get that out of their way. I think internally making sure that our organization is feeling like they are able to knowing where we're at externally balance that short term versus long term. And I think, Sometimes as an organization, we have a hard time weeding through the urgent versus the important. 
And it's hard for folks to themselves or for leaders even to remind ourselves of some of those things and making sure that folks have that balance. And uh, because the, the urgent certainly supersedes the important lately on a day to day basis. And so figuring out a mechanism for us to be able to better manage through that, I think, would help the organization. That's a good call. And, and to your point, you guys have been a little more insulated through the integration but that much more important a point for us to keep in mind as we look at you know everything related to transformation integration because we've got all the external factors and then we've got to figure out you know who we are and stand the organization up and ensure we're getting both the um, commitments we've made to the street from an earning standpoint as well as from a synergy delivery standpoint so it's a very noble cause to use the magic wand on so Kingsley at the end of every getting to know podcast, we ask our guests three specific questions. I'm going to hit you with those right now. Okay. The first is, what is always, no matter where, maybe even at the beach, what can always be found in your refrigerator? Okay. So I have got every day when I wake up, I know a lot of people are like this, like the first thing I want to do is hit the ground and get my cup of coffee. And so I I drink Nespresso, um, pod coffee. It's like my favorite ever, but I cannot have it without my creamer, which is called nut pods. So it's a combination of almond and coconut milk. I have probably three or four flavors in my refrigerator at any given time. If I go to a beach, it's one of the first things on my shopping list. I got to have it with my coffee. It is my, it's just, it's just creamy. It's, it has no sugar. I don't like any sugar in my coffee. So, um, and I, there's, they make it in caramel, they make it in vanilla, but it's not sweet. I don't like a lot of sweet stuff. So nut pods would definitely be always. And nut pods is the brand. It's the brand. All right. Yes. And in fact, all my family is in Phoenix. And so whenever we go visit, you know, they'll say, Hey, what do you want us to stock while you and the kids come or whatever? We, we know you want nut pods and Waterloo and blah, blah, blah. But it's they everyone knows like I got that I gotta have that creamer. All right, nut pods it is. Uh, second question for you, Kingsley. Amongst those who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? So I'm pretty much the house that all the kids come to, and like there's always no shortage of like the party house. Um, I mean, it, it, in the appropriate age range of partying, if you will. But at, at any given moment, if it's a weekend, I will have no less than three to six kids at my house. I am driving kids always. It was the same with my son when he was here. It's with my daughter when she was here. I have friends that, you know, we'll Venmo each other money back and forth for different things we pay for, for our daughters right now. And I've got a couple of friends that just put mortgage like constantly in there as their comment, because I'm just known to be the house where all the kids hang out. And so, and I love that. I absolutely, I love it. I'm happy to do, take them anywhere, do anything like I'm, I'm up for it. So I'm probably known for that these days. Good for you. Good for you. And as you well know from Jack, it goes way too fast. So it does. I enjoy every minute of it. Luckily you've got got another three and a half plus years of that. Yeah. Okay. Last question for you. What are you most looking forward to right this very moment? So I think personally, I'm most looking forward to this weekend because, like I said, I've got parents weekend with Jack. Scarlett and I are going to head over on Friday to Birmingham. We got they got a football game going on there, and you know I miss him. I mean, it's I, he was home this summer, and it was just like all was right in the world for him to be back, and now he's back off at school, and it's so strange. But I'm so happy for him. Like this is the right passage. So I'm short term. I'm really looking forward to that, and then um, I think. 
it professionally, I'm just so excited to be able to be a part of MADAP. I mean, when in your career are you going to be able to be a part of a merger of equals, a brand new company, a new culture? Like, I mean, just this is so rare for something like this to happen. So I'm just so excited to be able to be a part of it and to see where we're going to go and, and where we're going to take this organization and the leadership. I mean, from both sides, it's just incredible. So it's just, it's really fun to be able to be a part of something at this, this point. It's very exciting times. Well, Kingsley, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us about your business. You're the first of the business unit presidents to do this, but I think it's, it's time well spent. We'll hit the other business unit presidents here in the coming weeks and months, help educate the listening audience on the various businesses that are this new business that that make up this new business that we're standing up today. So appreciate all that you're doing, the little engine that could kind of mentality and what you're driving, the energy that you create there is really appreciated and something that we need to bottle up. Thanks, Mike. It's been fun. I appreciate it. It's been good, good chatting with you. For sure. For those of you in the listening audience, thanks for your time as well. And we'll talk to you again in two more weeks.